already been inspired. This year we began um, um, the year with me talking about getting serious with the things of God. And uh, I, I believe this message Pastor Phil uh, ha- has just presented, and uh, he's also going to give us another installment later on in the year, is this that it sort of ties in about a new day, a new wine, a new revival. I don't know about you. I, I don't want to just come to church and just have a little club. Well, some of you think that's all right. We, we don't want just a little social club. We get together and just go, so good to see you. And nothing much happens, even though that's okay. I mean, people belong to all sorts of social clubs. I belong to the MG Car Club. You know what? And I never go. They just send me a book and I read and I go, oh, that's cool. So even though I belong to the MG Car Club, it really hasn't changed my life one little bit. We can belong to churches and say, I belong to such and such a church, but nothing has changed in my life. I don't want it to be a social club. I want it to be, this is a church full of people who love God, hungry for God, are serious for what God wants to do in their life. Amen. See, nothing new happens when we are comfortable living in the old. You know, sometimes we want a new job, but we're so comfortable where we are, and we never start looking for a new job. And we're so comfortable with what we know. And I believe this as a church, if God needs to do something new, we need to say, God, thank you for the past. Thank you for what you've done. But I want to get a little bit uncomfortable and embrace what you have for me. See, we, live, uh, we can live comfortably in yesterday and miss what God wants to do today. How many people were blessed by last Sunday morning service? I was extremely blessed. But that was last Sunday. This is this Sunday. Amen. I don't want to just rest on what God did last week. I want to find what God has to say to me today. Amen. It's like going, wow, that was good. But God is doing something new today. It was great last Sunday, but God is saying something new and fresh to us today. And that's what is important. I don't know about you, but uh, do you you remember that manna was sent from heaven into the wilderness every day to the people of Israel while they going from Egypt to the promised land? Well, in the desert, there's not a lot of food. And God said, I'm going to provide you manna from heaven and quails. I don't know about the manna, but I certainly love quails. The other night, I wanted to have quails with polenta. So I go to Coles and I go looking for quails, and they have no quails because I make an amazing quail broth, and then I make polenta and put it all over it. These people of Israel, they had manna in the morning and quail in the afternoon. I'm going like, that's not bad. But there's some significance in in the manna because God only gave them enough for the one day and so if you were if you were eager you go like I'm going to collect a little bit of extra manna for tomorrow and you put it somewhere you say well I'll go to, to that tomorrow when you go to that little bit of manna that you put for the tomorrow it's spoiled and it was no good anymore so God provided them just enough for the day why would God do that God was making the people of Israel know that God would send what they needed for the day Yesterday was over. Today is the day of fresh provisions and something new. See, I want you to understand this, is you cannot live off of yesterday's blessing. you got to see what God wants to do in your life today. We can't live on yesterday's vision. We can't live on yesterday's manner. You can't live on yesterday's wine. You can't live on yesterday's blessing or yesterday's revelation. Yesterday 
is over and God is doing something fresh and something new today. Amen. You may be someone that went through revival in the 60s or revivals in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. And that was great. But that's what God did yesterday. What is God doing for us today? What is it that God wants to do in our midst? Exodus 16, you can read that in your own time. But when God sent manna, it was really interesting. Everyone had to collect their proper measure. There was an actual measure on how much manna to collect. They collected it daily. If they kept it for an extra day, it would spoil. And I researched this a little bit and I thought like, what is manna? What did manna taste like? And you can read it in Exodus 16. It said it tasted like coriander seed and honey. How many people love coriander? Well, I'm Italian. I love parsley, but I don't really like coriander. But I'm getting used to it now because if you eat Asian foods, there's always a little bit of coriander, and it's not too bad. What's the significance of coriander seed and honey? Well, coriander has multiple health benefits. Coriander is a wonderful source of dietary fiber, of magnesium, of iron. Um, in addition, coriander leaves are, um, leaves are rich in vitamin C, vitamin K, and protein. And they also contain small amounts of calcium, phosphorus, potassium, thiamine, niacin, and carotene. How many people knew that when you eat coriander, that's what happens? That's like crazy. Everyone needs to go out and buy some coriander today and put it over everything. Forget those tablets that you buy that's so expensive. How many people buy vitamin tablets? Yeah, I'm sure you do. Too, people, too many people are proud. They're not going to put up their hand. I don't need any vitamins, you know. Forget the vitamin tablets. Just get coriander into your life. See, coriander, a seed is both a herb and a spice. That's interesting. So coriander has health benefits. So this manna has health benefits. And man, they're going to be physically well. But how many people love the taste of honey as well? So it, it, it had a taste of coriander seed and a taste of honey. How many people know that honey is sweet? I love honey. Amen. Especially when you've got a sore throat. I, I went through a tub of honey over the last three or four weeks, being sick all the time. And I, was, I was pouring honey into everything because honey's good. But honey also has a healing property. Amen. If you have burns, they actually can put honey over it. Don't go and do it. Just need to research it, okay? There, there, yeah, there's actually honey products that you put to bring healing over your skin. All that in, the, in this little bit of manna that God brought down from heaven. What's the significance of that? It's very important. Well, God cares about your life, about your well-being, your spiritual well-being. And He wants to bring manna from heaven on a daily basis that will bless your life, that will heal your life and be a sweet taste to your spirit. And it says that by the time the sun came up, because it would fall down in the early morning, by the time the sun come up, it would dissipate, it would be gone. Guess what? There's opportunities of God's blessing over your life. And if you are too distracted, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the blessing of God over your life. So imagine if you, like me, like sleeping in a little bit. He loves sleeping in. You go like, today I'm going to get up a little bit later. <laughs> I, I'm really tired. I had a late night. And guess what? You get up at 10 o'clock. And by the time you get up, you're looking for the manna, and it's all gone. You miss the opportunity. Amen. 
You miss the blessing of God over your life. There's a moment, an opportunity, and then it's gone. If the people of Israel did not collect manna every morning, they were either full from yesterday's manna or not hungry or too comfortable or too lazy to go and collect what they needed for the day. If I don't know about you, but I get really hungry really quickly. I, I reckon I could eat 24 hours on, on 24 hours. I could be grazing all the time, man. You know, when I'm home, I'm, I'm a mess because I'm always going to the fridge. I go to the fridge and rummage through. Um, Nicole and Neil sometimes are in the lounge and they can hear the fridge, uh, the freezer door open and they come out and go like, what are you eating, Dad? Are you eating some ice cream? Or they hear the pantry cupboard open and close, right? And I'm rummaging, is there any licorice or any chips that they left behind or anything like that? I could be eating 24-7. When you're hungry, you go looking for food. But when you're not hungry and you're satisfied or a little bit lazy, because I know that there's some people here, they, they would love food, but they're just waiting for someone to put it in their mouth, right? So here they are. Like If you're not getting up in the morning looking for manna, means that you're, you're satisfied with what happened yesterday. Now I know one thing. The more I work, the hungrier I get. Is it true? The more I do physical activities, the more I have an outlet, the hungrier I get. Amen. After a day of working, physical work, I, I want to stop at every McDonald's on the way home and throw in a Hungry Jacks and maybe I'll do in a Porto as well or maybe a Subway because I'm hungry. And that's what happens when you give out. But if they were full, if they were full with yesterday's manner, they ain't getting up. They're going to stay in bed. I don't know if there's anybody here that's hungry for the presence of God. Hungry for the presence of God. I'm already full. I'm still full, Pastor Mario, from last Sunday. Well, I want to tell you, this week has been uh, a great week for us. You know, I'm starting to feel a lot better. And we had a life group on Tuesday night, and it was just amazing. We had about 13 people here. We were just talking about the book of James, and people are talking about it. We had a small life group last night, and I was hearing Alice's story, and I'm going like, unbelievable story and testimony that she has. I'm going like, this is amazing. I'm, I'm hungry for the presence of God. I'm hungry to hear the testimony of people that have been blessed by God. I'm hungry. Hungry for the presence of God. Hungry for the Word of God. Hungry, I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for the power of God. I want to see people come forward and, and get a touch of God over their life. Amen. I want to hear people that after they've heard a message, they got a word, say, that word was for me, Pastor Mario. That word was for me, Pastor Phil. That word was, that, that word was for me, Pastor Michael. That word was what I needed. It's something that's happened in my spirit. That there's a shift because we're hungry for the presence of God, hungry for the Word of God. Pastor Phil spoke on hunger for the presence of God. Amen. I'm going to add a couple of things. We should be hungry for worship, hungry for meditation, hungry for prayer. Sunday, and it was great this morning, there were so many people here before the service started, and I was really, really happy. You probably can tell as I'm preaching this morning that Pastor Mario is really, really happy. But Sunday service is about coming prepared to worship God. I, I don't know, maybe you didn't have a great week. Or maybe you had a fantastic week. Because sometimes when you have a great week, you sort of come, oh, completely satisfied. I don't need God. And so you, you sort of sit down and you're like, 
this is cool. I'll just relax. Sometimes we have a bad week and go like, well, there's nothing to thank God about. There's nothing to worship God about because it wasn't all that good. We can always find an excuse to worship or not to worship God. But when we have an opportunity to come into the house of God, I want you to be front-footed, ready to make a contribution. Amen. To make a contribution. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords because He deserves to be praised. Amen. He deserves to be praised. And when we come late, you're missing out on giving God His deserved praise. See, Sunday is not just about hearing me speak. Sunday is also an opportunity for us collectively to bring a, a praise and worship and thanksgiving to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. And you say, Pastor Murray, I can do that at home. And so can I. But when we do it together, guess what? The enemy sees that this church is united with one thought, with one vision, with one passion, with one desire, and that is to lift the name of Jesus up. And guess what? The devil gets really, really upset and angry and says, these people are serious. Be front-footed. Be ready. Be ready to make a contribution. Now, how many people love when someone sings in tune? How many people don't like it when someone sings out of tune? Now, you shouldn't put up your hand because it could be the person next to you that sings out of tune. Irrespective whether you sing in tune or you don't sing in tune, what is important is that you sing and it comes from your heart unto God. Now, I know that over our side over there, there's some young men that sing really loud, and that's really cool. I love that. But the point is this, is that we've got to sing. Let the voice come out. Lift up the name of Jesus. Oh, well, I'm just going to pray quietly. God, you're so good. Did you hear what I said? Not at all. Let everybody know that you love worshiping God. Let God know that you love worshiping Him. Make a contribution. So, hungry for the presence of God. Hungry for the Word of God. Meditation puts you in a posture to hear from God. I want you to understand this. See, meditation is not, well, I, I read a few chapters today. It's really not about chapters. It's really about reading some Scripture and meditating on it, uh, you know, lingering in that verse and say, God, Speak to me. Meditation in the Word of God. Um, sometimes people say, God never says anything to me. And I'm going like, well, have you given, given God an opportunity to speak into your life? Well, I open up the Word, and every time I open up the Word and start reading and linger in what I'm reading, and I open up my heart and say, God, speak to me, guess what? He never lets me down. He speaks to me. Amen. I don't hear an audible voice, but guess what? Something happens in my spirit as I'm reading that text. And it's going like, wow, this is, this is a, a revelation to me. This is enlightening to me. This is a blessing to me. I needed this, God. I needed it. Amen. Have you placed yourself in a posture to hear from God? Or is there too much noise and static and distraction that even if God spoke, you'd never hear Him because there's so many distractions in your life? 
I never hear from God. Why? The music is blaring, the TV is going, and your phone is uh, in your hand, and you've got the iPad on the, on the corner there, and the dog's barking, and you're screaming at the other person, and you're wondering, why is God not speaking to you? Because there's too many distractions in your life. Amen. Take out some of those distractions. Take the distractions out. It doesn't have to be all day, but say even five minutes. Five minutes, go into your room, take off all the distractions, turn the phone off, turn the, turn the radio off and get into the Word of God. Read it, read a couple of verses, say, God, speak to me. I need some food to nourish my soul. Meditate over it. When Sunday comes around and the message is given, be front-footed to hear what God is saying to you. How many people like hearing a message that's for your neighbor? That was a great word. I wish so-and-so was here this morning. I wish my wife had heard that. She's not here. My kids should be hearing this. They need to be. Oh, that, that guy that's always a bit of a pain in the backside. I wish they were here. No, it's, it's got to, God, what are you saying to me? You can't change anybody. The only person that you can change is you. <laughs> Amen. We want to change our spouses. We want to change our children. We want to change your boss. We want to change your neighbor. You can't change them. The only person that can change is you. Amen. And the Word of God is delivered to you to bring change to you. Amen. It's about you. So Sunday morning, it's not about someone else. Sunday morning is about, God, what are you saying to me? I pray that you're able to take one thing. Because sometimes I sit there and go, how many messages have I heard in my life? I don't know, you put maybe an average of a couple of messages a week. That's a lot of messages. And I'm not 21 years old. I know you can't believe it, but I'm a lot older than 21. And I've been in church all my life. So can you imagine how many sermons I've heard? If you come to my home, I can give you boxes and boxes of messages. If I put one of those messages into operation, only one point of all those messages, boy, I'd be like Jesus walking here this morning. And you can tell I'm not like Jesus. Why? Because I haven't put a lot of those things into practice. Sunday we come and say, God, one thing that I can take that will change my life, change my situation, one thing. And you will know what that one thing is. I don't have to tell you. One thing. During the week, dial out distractions and tune into the Word of God. Dial out the distractions. Tune into the Word of God. Now, I like listening to a lot of 2GB. There's a competition going on, 2GB for me. They ring you up, and if you answer 2GB for me, you win, uh, you win money. So my wife registered me this week. Hey? It's finished now. <laughs> so I've been listening to 2GB for no reason. It's finished. One lady won, I think, $6,000 just by saying, 2GB for me. And, you know, I, I like listening because it's a very conservative sort of radio station. And, but sometimes they make me really mad. You're listening to stuff and you're getting angry on the inside. And at that mo moment, I've got to go, I've got to switch this off because this is not good for me. There's so much stuff that we listen to that's actually not good for us. Amen. Untune. Amen. Get the, dial the distraction out of your life and get into the Word of God. So hungry for the presence of God, hungry for the Word of God, hungry for prayer.
Amen. We got together with our vision team a couple of weeks ago, and we said, you know, we just felt a real, uh, like a bit of an apathy in the church, and, you know, we can do a million different things. We can try this, and we can try that, but you know what? The most important thing is that we got to pray. Amen. Through prayer. We said, we just got to pray. There's a spiritual temperature and climate and hunger in our church increases. Amen. Prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is speaking to God. Can I ask you this question? When was the last time you had a conversation with God? Probably don't do it at work because then they're going to think there's something wrong with you and they're going to commit you to a hospital, right? But when you're on your own, you can pray to God. You can speak to God because we make prayer, prayer something like, oh, only really spiritual people do it. Now, you know who prays? People with needs. People that have questions. People that are struggling. Anybody here like that? People that got it all together, they don't need to pray. Have you got it all together? So we need to pray. I don't have it all together. Sometimes I'm so discouraged. I don't know who to go to. Guess what? I go to God. I go, God, you can see there's a lot of stuff inside of here that's happening. It's not good. Can you help me? That's prayer. That's speaking to God. Prayer is so important. Talk to Him. Prayer is connecting to God. When you pray, you stress less. Amen. If you've got stress, pray more. Amen. That, 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 if you went to a psychologist, guess what? Is that they'll probably cost you 120 bucks for that one thing. You got stress, pray more. Because psychologists actually admit that having faith actually helps us. And that's not even from the word of God. That's from a psychologist. Amen. If you've got stress in your life, pray more. You've got problems in your life, pray more. Don't worry more. Pray more. Prayer is this. It's about talking less to yourself and speaking more to God. You know, because we can go through our heads, all this stuff that's happening. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I get on my own and, and, and depression starts coming. And it's like this whirlwind and brings you down and down and down and down and down. But when you pray to God, when you lift the prayer to God, when you lift to Him what's going on in your life, guess what? It's taken off of your shoulders and given to Him. I would say this, talk less and intercede more. Amen. Stuff happens, you go, oh, well, what are we going to do? Intercede on behalf of somebody. Prayer is offensive to the devil because it's demonstrating our trust and our reliance is in God. The, pray, uh, the prayer makes the devil mad. Worship makes the devil mad. When you speak the word of God over your life, it makes the devil mad. Amen. How many people love making the devil mad? I do. Amen. I like to make him mad. Amen. Pastor Phil spoke about fanning into flame the gift that God has given you. This is the exercise part of our life. You know, I said before, if the people of Israel are eating manna and they're so full from today's manna, tomorrow they're not going to get up because they're not hungry. So we need some spiritual exercise. He said to fan into flame the gift that God has given you every single person here this morning is gifted by God. Every single one of you. And you go like, well, I don't really know what I need to do. Well, then get some help. Ask people around you, what am I good at doing? Amen. So it's a fan into flame. Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame. Stir up. Amen. I, I think we got to stir each other up because all of us have some sort of gift. It's when you start giving out that you start getting hungry. Amen? I know this. If I wasn't giving out on a Sunday morning, I don't know how hungry I would really be. 
But when I start giving out, when I start becoming a facilitator in a life group, guess what? I've got to be prepared. I get hungry because I know that people are coming and I need to give them something. Amen. When you start giving, when you start using the gifts that God has given you, guess what? You get hungry. Fan into flame the gift that God has given you. It's when you give out from what you've been given that you get hungry. It's where we work it out. I, I say it like this. I get filled on Sunday. I get filled in my quiet times. Why? To fill someone else's up. Fill someone else's life up. I get blessed. Why? To be a blessing. I get filled so I can give on out. I get ministered to. Why? So I can minister to. Amen. I get anointed by God. Why? So I can go and anoint somebody. Fan into flame the gift. 2 Timothy 1.6. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. I believe that every single person, from the youngest to the oldest, and sometimes I see the young kids sweeping and mopping and doing all sorts of stuff around here and putting video stuff up, and I see some of the older people on the door, and I see people baking cakes, and I know that during these last couple of weeks, people were bringing food to others that have been sick, and I go, wow, every single one of these things is a, is a blessing to the kingdom of God. It's a blessing to somebody. Aren't you so glad that when you go to the bathroom, it's been cleaned for you. Amen. How did it happen? Well, I didn't pray about it. I say, Lord, those toilets at the back, please keep them clean. So when they come, if someone comes here early and says, we're going to mop and clean so that when they go and use it, when the church goes to use it, it's, it's sparkling clean. It smells fresh and smells nice. And everyone goes, woo, and we take it for granted. Fan into the flame, the gift that God has given you. I, I thank God. I think we've got about 20 people registered for facilitators for these life groups, so much life groups, but these groups that we're going to be putting on to help our community with those various things. Money management, handling stress, handling divorce, all those sorts of things. I'm so blessed to know there's about nearly 20 people that put their hand up and say, we want to be trained so that we can help people. What's that all about? It's about ministry. What's that all about? It's about availability. What's that all about? Say, God, you've blessed me and I want to be a blessing. 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the spiritual gift you've received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Question, what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with what God has given you? What role do you play? What contribution are you making? Pastor Phil's key message was about new wine and new wineskins. A wineskin that is empty, uh, people go like, oh, we got bottles nowadays, but in Jesus' time they had, they had skins and they'll sew them together, they put them together and then they pour wine into it because it remained cool place and you could it stored but you could also drink out of it but if that wineskin became empty and just sat on the side because at one stage had been moist because the wine was inside of it when it's put on the side guess what would happen it dry out you put a skin on the side and just leave it there guess what it does it dries out gets crusty becomes tough becomes easily broken if you pour new wine into an old wineskin 
So you've got new wine, and it's going to be poured into the skin that you found on the ground that's old and crusty, right? New wine, and I remember because I'm good Italian, every good Italian, they made wine at home. And um, my dad made wine for a long, long time. And I remember that um, um, at one stage, he, we had a vineyard at the back of our house. It was only small. Um, and we had these white grapes. And he, he crushed the grapes. And, of course, then you, you get the juice. Then you, it was white wine, so he, he bottled it. But for some reason, he bottled it too soon. Because when, when grapes are crushed, it starts to ferment. Right? Uh, it starts having this, this reaction. It's just normal. That's what it's fermented wine. And he bottled these bottles way too soon. And you'd be eating at night time because uh, they were stored in the garage at the back. And you'd be eating, yeah, boom. What's going on? He didn't make anything of it. Yeah, uh, boom. What was that? And you finally go in the garage and you can smell wine everywhere. What's going on? And all these bottles are popping. Because the wine was still fermenting. So imagine putting new wine that hasn't fermented yet into old wineskins and you put a top on it. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to break. It's going to blow. Okay? You're going to lose everything. You pour new wine in old wineskin. When the wine begins to ferment, it takes on its character. The old wineskin is rigid, brittle, breaks, and spills the new wine. What does new wineskin represent? This is what it represents. Your mindset. Your mindset. Where's your mindset? What are you thinking? How are you thinking about stuff? Mindset, your attitude, your outlook, your posture. Amen. It's not like, oh, well, I've been a Christian for 35 years. I've seen a lot of things. And I'm pretty much settled in what God is doing. No. Thank God for what God has done in the past. But the mindset that is fresh, that is open, has an attitude and an outlook and a posture that says, God, I'm receptive to whatever it is that you want to do in my life and in your church. I'm glad for everything that's happened over the last 10 years. But I'm more excited about everything God wants to do in the next 10 years. I'm excited what happened last year, but I'm so excited about what God wants to do next Sunday here in the house of God. I'm excited about what God wants to do in the next three months in your life. Amen. An outlook that says, God, I'm so happy. I'm grateful. But I have a mindset of what new thing do you want to do in my life? Amen. Have an attitude that says, God, I will embrace what you're bringing into my life. I have an outlook, a posture that is receptive to what God wants to do. Isaiah 43, New Living Translation says, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned and their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all of that. In other words, God say, I did all these amazing things. And some people are just at that place right now. We say, God has done all these amazing things. But God is saying to you, yeah, I did all that, but forget all of that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I love that. God's done some great things. But forget all of that. Because it's nothing compared to what I want to do. For I'm about to do something new. Amen. 
How many people need some, something new to happen in their life? I like something new. Amen. I go to my wardrobe and there's some shirts there I'll never wear again because I go, I want to wear something new. Ladies, does that resound with you? 500 shoes there. No, nah, I don't want them. You got 500. What are you going to do? I want something new. I want to put a new, even if it's another blue shirt. I think I've got most of my shirts are all blue. Every time I have a birthday or something, my kids buy me a blue shirt. So I've got 20 blue shirts. But that's all right. They can buy me another blue shirt because it's new. Amen. We understand that. But when it comes to the things of God, we want to remain with yesterday. No, God wants to do something new. He says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? Question. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God is about to do something new. Amen. So be prepared with a new mindset. Be prepared with a new attitude. Be prepared with a new outlook. Be flexible. Be malleable. Be teachable. There's a message just there. Mindsets. Sometimes it's our own stubbornness. I know there's no one here. I'm Italian background, so I can say this. I'm stubborn. Italian says testa dura, means hard-headed. Sometimes it's own hard-headedness that gets in the way of what God wants to do. God's got to do it like this, and it's like that, and it's like that, like that, like this, like that. And God says, sometimes I think God's saying, shut up. Shush. Let me do what I've got to do. New attitude, attitude of posture. says, God, whatever you have, I'm open to it, Lord. I want to be flexible, amen. I want to be malleable. I want to be teachable. Get serious with where you are at and where you need to be, amen. If there are things that you know need to change, don't wait for another moment to pass. Get yourself in the position of humility, of ownership, and surrender. And tell God what's not working and ask God to help you. If we're serious about ourselves, serious about where we're at, every one of us, if there's humility, an ounce, a little scratch of humility in us, say, God, I'm not where I need to be. God, there's some things that aren't working right. God, I take ownership. I don't blame my pastor. I don't blame my life group leader. I don't blame my teacher. I don't blame, blame my parents. I take ownership of it. Remember I said before, you can't change them. The only person that you can change is you. But unless you have humility, you'll never put yourself in a position that says, God, help me. Humility says, God, I need your help. I surrender. Help me, Lord. Take ownership. Take ownership. Surrender to him. Make Here's another one. Make yourself accountable. Tell significant others in your life what needs to change. And significant others, you say, like, Who, who's that, Pastor Murray? Well, if you're married, it'll be your spouse. Yeah? Young person, it could be your parents. Could be your pastor. Could be your life group leader. Could be someone that you respect. Be accountable. You see, when, when, when I w want, want something to change, I don't just keep it on the inside. I tell my wife. Guess what? When I speak to her, it's like saying, hold me accountable. Because you go, and she does. 
by the way, if you're wondering. You said, you said you're going to do that, the other, and that's holding me accountable. We don't like to be held accountable for anything. But if you want change, if you want the new, what God wants to do in your life, guess what? You're going to hold yourself accountable. Find the significant other and say, hey, this is what needs to change. Can you please hold me accountable? Help prepare me for the new that God has for me. Speak to them. Tell them about where you're at. If you've got to struggle with certain things, speak to the significant other in your life. Hold yourself accountable. Say, look, I, I, this is, and if we're all honest, we're all messed up in something. True? Mm, I just hear, mm, mm. we're all messed up in something. Gee, that really went down. I know some of you looking like, Pastor Mario, have you seen me? I look at myself in the mirror and there's nothing messy about me one little bit. I'm not talking about the outward appearance because you all look beautiful. Turn to the person next to you, you look gorgeous. There's a bit of awkward moments there. I was so glad I wasn't sitting next to my mum. Mum, you look gorgeous. We're all messed up in some way. And we can say, oh, well, that's okay. We'll just keep doing what we... No! God wants to do something new. And the only way is by taking ownership, holding yourself accountable, say, please help me. That's why I love when we did the course, Valiant Man. It was, it was just amazing because guys are just sharing their hearts and we're all telling how messed up we are. And we're going, like, you think you're messed up? It was like, who's more messed up? I'm really messed up. And going, well, you haven't heard my story. All right. But it was good because we're just sharing our hearts, what was going on. So hold me accountable. And I love that. This is about being real, people. Being real. Being real. We want to be prepared for the new that God has for us. For us and a church and a C3 movement. I love Pastor Phil. Oh, we're about 120,000 people now. But soon, he didn't say like in 20 years' time, soon, looking forward to the day that on any given Sunday, one million people, one million people are worshipping in a C3 church somewhere around the world. He's not going on yesterday's revelation, the 2020 vision that he had, and we had it up here on the wall around here for a, a bit of time, you know. God's moving him on, amen. I love that. He's allowing God to stretch him. And even if he's close to 70, go like, God hasn't finished with me yet. He's not done with me yet. God is doing something here. Let's posture ourselves to embrace it with open hearts, an open mind, and an open spirit. And your question should be as you leave this place today, like, God, I heard that message. There's one thing. Well, if you're not doing anything in the church, one thing would be like, go and see Pastor Phil, go and see Nick, go and see Michael. Say, can, can, I, can I help out some way? I, I was so blessed a couple of weeks ago, someone from the church gave me a call and said, I heard someone so sick, can we do something for him? And I go like, wow, I love that. I go, of course we can. Food was arranged and things were done. It was like, wow, that's what it's about. 
Not someone else will do it. No, like, oh, I can do something. So the one thing you can do this morning, say, hey, I want to volunteer somewhere. Or maybe you want to come to the facilitators training tonight. Or maybe you just want to say, look, I've really struggled in getting in a life group. I just need to get in a life group. I don't have any significant others in my life. Well, a life group is a good place to start. Or maybe you're a good cook. How people love the good cooks that we have around the place? I love good cooks. I made pizza the other night, the very first time. I made my own base as well. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay. So don't get me to make your pizza, all right? But there's some people here that are good at baking. Get yourself involved. Say, can I bring some really nice cakes on a Sunday morning? Or can I bake a cake and send it to somebody that's going through a hard time? Some people are good at cutting lawns. I did them yesterday. Did a good job. I did it really quick too. I love my lawnmower because it doesn't have a catcher. It's a mulching lawnmower. So it doesn't matter how fast I go, it's cutting lawns. Doing it quick and I don't have to put anything anywhere. Maybe you're good at cutting lawns. Well, Pastor Mario, what am I, what's that going to do? Well, cut your neighbor's lawn. Because you're looking at his lawn and you're like, that's disgusting, man. How horrible. Look at that lawn. Go and cut it for him. He's going to be blown away. You're like, what, what's this for? You're like, oh, well, I just want to do something. I love cutting lawns. The more lawns I get, the more pleasure I get in cutting. Stir up the gift that God has given. I know there's people here that sing. Sing well, worship well. Get on the team. Amen. They won't let me on because I don't sing all that well. Get involved. And I'll tell you this thing. The more you get involved, the more you give out, the more you get empty, you need to be filled by God. New manner that comes. So you can get full again, so we can give out again. That's what it's about. See, if you're storing yesterday's manna, guess what? It's going stale. So when you empty yourself, you want fresh manna. 